title of the lesson, If You Are Willing. So Matthew, the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 4, we'll just kind of jump right in right there. Just four short verses, but it's interesting what is contained there in those four verses. And what I started to say a moment ago was, in regards to the teaching within the scriptures, that it's been likened to peeling an onion. (laughs) And you have to kind of peel back the layers to to get where you're going. And that's certainly the case when you take a look at Matthew, the 8th chapter, because when you take a look at those four verses, you go, well, guy came and he wants to be cleansed and all right, move on to verse five. <laughs> and it's like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> Let's peel this back a little bit and see what is contained there. It's simple, but it's powerful. So as you take a look at Matthew chapter eight, what you come to find out is this particular instance, this occasion here with this man is recorded in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. They all record this particular incident. They word it slightly different. Matthew says that a man came and worshipped him. Another Gospel says that a man came and fell down on his knees. And Luke says he came, fell down, and begged him on that occasion. So as you take a look at all those, you start to kind of see and understand like what's going on here and how this man has approached Jesus. This man comes and he asks, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, I want to say this before we get too much further along because you have to kind of understand this is the peeling back, right? Understand what's going on here and some of the laws that are contained in the Old Testament because Leviticus, the 13th chapter, gives these laws about being clean and unclean. And on this particular occasion, this man has, Matthew records it as leprosy, and he asks Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And so as you take a look at Leviticus, the 13th chapter, and other passages in the Old Testament, what we come to understand about leprosy is oftentimes we think of the most dreaded sort of case, and sometimes that is the occasion. And this man here, it seems like it is very serious because Luke records it as he comes and he begs. You know, if I have a sniffle or a little bit of a cold, I may ask for a little medicine, but I'm not begging. (laughs) I want relief. But Leviticus, the 13th chapter, gives these laws in regards to being clean and unclean. And whenever a person was unclean, especially on this occasion with like leprosy, they were not allowed to come in contact with others. In fact, they would go to the priest, he would examine them, and if they were declared unclean, they would be removed from the community. And they're to stay away from people. Contagious. Don't touch anybody. And don't let anybody touch him. And so you're removed for a time. Now the reason why I say is because the word that's used can refer to different skin disorders. Sometimes a person might recover. And then they would come to the priest... And he would examine him again. 
and declare them clean. And then they would offer up some type of sacrifice and so forth. And then they would be allowed back into community, back into worship and so forth. So I'm taking a look at this. This man comes. It sounds serious, right? Because he falls down before Jesus. And he says, if you're willing. He's begging. You can make me clean. Now stop and think about that for just a moment. Because sometimes I think in just kind of casual reading, we might kind of breeze right on through this and he comes to Jesus and you're thinking in your mind what he's saying is, if you're able, (laughs) could you do this for me? But that's not what he says, is it? He doesn't say, Jesus, is it possible that you could do this? He says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. That's a totally different question, totally different statement, isn't it? So now he's saying to Jesus, are you willing? I know you can. I just want to know, are you willing? Peel back the onion once again. This is Matthew, the 8th chapter. There's been seven chapters that have gone before this. Matthew is a Jew. He's writing to a Jewish audience. The reason for his writing is that he is set out to convince these Jews that this Jesus, He's your King that you've been waiting for. This is the Messiah. Now, if you're going to talk about the Jewish Messiah, one of the very first things you've got to get straight is you've got to get His lineage straight. Does He have the right pedigree? Does He come from the right bloodline? And Matthew starts his Gospel in exactly that way and shows He's a descendant of Abraham. He's a descendant of David. This Jesus has got the right bloodline. Check that box off, right? Well, where was he born? (laughs) He was born in Bethlehem. Just like it was prophesied. Check that box off. Who was he born of? He was born of a virgin. Just like it was prophesied. Matthew's recording all that. Check that box off. He goes to John to be baptized. The Spirit descends upon him and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Check that box off. (laughs) And then he's led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And on every occasion, he does not give in to that temptation, but he answers it by saying, It is written. He passed the test. Matthew 5-7, through He comes and delivers what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And when He gets done speaking, what do those people say? That was amazing. (laughs) They marvel. They are astonished. And He teaches as one having authority. Not like our scribes. Because the scribes would always say, well, Moses said... 
And Jesus says, you have, you have read, but I say to you, he speaks with authority. So Matthew, a Jew writing to Jews, he says, I want you to see this. And by this time, seven chapters in, they're going, wow. Wow. <laughs> He's checking off all the boxes. In fact, they may be starting to stick their chest out a little bit. <laughs> We're Jewish. We said the Jewish Messiah is coming. I think it's him. And so they're feeling pretty good by this time, I would think. But now you come to Matthew 8. And he says, if you are willing. So you see, it's not a matter of, are you able? It's our, it is, are you willing? So we're learning something about this Messiah. We're learning something about this King. We've heard the way he teaches. It is with authority. And in Matthew, the fourth chapter, Matthew has all record, also recorded that he went about and he was curing diseases and healing people. He's performing miracles. That's Matthew 4. What follows after the verses we're looking at through Matthew 8, the rest of Matthew 8 and Matthew 9, there's going to be a whole series of miracles. Not only is this individual, this Jesus, going to teach with authority, he is going to act with authority. And he has done it previously. And so when this man comes, he's already heard. Because Matthew 4 says he's known throughout Galilee and Decapolis and Judea. And so he's heard of it. So he's not coming and saying, can you? He's saying, will you? Are you willing? I know you are able what I want to know now is, are you good? Does that seem like a reasonable question? I hope you think it is. Because that's the same question you ask. <laughs> and that's the same question that I ask. In our relationship with Jesus Christ is either diminished or solidified based upon the answer to that question. Are you good? I know you're able. Are you good? In other words, do you care about me? Is that what you want to know? I know God sent his son to die for the world. But my relationship. Did you die for me? Me and you, Jesus. Are we tight? And so he's asking him. If you are willing. You can make me clean. Now, why do I bring that up? 
So peel back the onion. Go back to the book of Genesis. It's creation. It's Adam and Eve. It's the garden. It's Genesis 3. And who walks in? It's Satan. And Satan says unto Eve, Has God said that there is any tree that you may not eat of? He doesn't say, Wow, this place is fantastic. (laughs) No, he says, Is there any tree that you may not eat of? Do you see what he is questioning? He is not questioning God's power because it's pretty obvious. It's all around. What he wants to call into question is his character. Is he withholding something from you? And how does Eve answer that? She says, well, we may eat of any of the trees except the one in the midst of the garden. We have been told, do not touch it or eat of it. For in the day that you do, you will die. Satan says, I got your focus now. See what he says? God says, you will die. You will not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat of it, Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See that? He didn't call his power into question. He called his character into question. And when he called God's character into question, he got him to sin. God has told you, don't do it. I'm suggesting you will become like God if you do do it. Can you see that kind of twisted thinking? How am I ever going to become like God? By doing what He says or by doing what He doesn't say? Satan says, don't listen to God and you will become like God. See how twisted that is? But he calls his character into question. And he gets them to violate God's command. And you know what happens? Now they're separated from the garden. Now they're separated from God. And so the story begins. How do you get back? Okay? So now then, back to Matthew the 8th chapter. It's almost as if Matthew comes to this point, seven chapters, and now he comes to chapter 8, and it's like, okay, all you Jews, (laughs) slow down. Come here. I want you to see this. I want you to look real close, and I want you to think about this. What's going to happen here? And so in chapter 8 and verse 2, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. 
saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. You see that? A Jew writing to Jews. Should they know the law? Yeah. <laughs> Do they know the book of Leviticus? Yeah, it was given to them. Hopefully if they've read it, and they have, and I believe that's the reason why Matthew records this. You've heard about Jesus. You've heard about His lineage. You've heard about where He was born. You've heard about who He was born of. You've heard of the things that He's done. You have heard Him teach. And you're walking around with your chest stuck out thinking, wow, he's, that's our Messiah. But now all you Jews gather around because I'm going to show you something. This man comes and he has leprosy. What do you think about a person who has leprosy? Don't want to hang around him. <laughs> Don't want him touching me. And I ain't touching him. And actually Leviticus will tell you that whenever he comes in proximity of someone else... He's supposed to shout unclean, unclean. So you're you're alerted, you know. And he comes to Jesus, falls down before him. It says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And what does Jesus do? He reaches out and touches him. <laughs> Could you imagine Jesus? <laughs> That was our Messiah. He was doing so good. And now he touched this guy. But his leprosy is immediately gone. To a Jew, that's radical. I've been thinking real positive about this Jesus up till now. Now I got to stop and I got to roll this over. <laughs> I may have to rethink this. And so Matthew records it. The man says, if you're willing. Jesus said, I'm willing. Reached out, touched him, he claimed. Was he just dirty? <laughs> No, he didn't just need to take a bath. He was unclean. This man knew his condition. He knew he had been separated. He had been set apart. And he comes and Luke says he begs. I want back in. Will he be healed of his leprosy? Yeah, he will. But he'll be cleansed. Because he doesn't just ask to be healed. He says, I want to be cleansed. I want to be made clean. Verse 4. Listen to what Jesus says after he reaches out, touches him, and cleanses him. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, Show yourself to the priest. That's exactly what they were supposed to do according to the law. Show yourself to the priest. Offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. 
What do you think is going to happen back at the temple? He had to go to the priest, be declared unclean. He has been separated from the community. He comes to Jesus because he's heard about him. Jesus reaches out and touches him and says, I'm willing, and he's cleansed. And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Offer the sacrifice that you're supposed to offer, and this will be a testimony to them. So when he shows up at the temple, what's one of the first things the priest's going to ask him? How'd you get clean? <laughs> you know that Jesus? Everybody's been hearing about? He touched me. <gasps> he did what? He touched me. Well, tell him to get down here because surely he's got leprosy now. No, no, he's good too. He's good, I'm good, it's all good. I just want to offer my sacrifice, get back in the community, and get back to living. See what Jesus said? You go show him. Show him what happened. Don't tell anybody else. But you go to that priest. Show. So, a little bit of background. I should have pulled up point two. A little bit of background. Peel the onion, onion once again to this. One of the reasons I decided on this lesson today was because Wednesday evening there were some who were here. <laughs> If you weren't here, I'm sorry you missed it. If you want the link, I'll send it to you. We talked about the temple. We talked a little bit about the tabernacle. God had given them that at Sinai. So you peel back the onion. You back up just a little bit in Jewish life. And you recall their history. How God brought them out of Egyptian bondage. Brought them to Sinai. He entered into a covenant with them. And then about Exodus 25, He tells them, I want you to build this tabernacle. And the tabernacle had a parameter, had a perimeter around it. And there was only one way to enter in there. And as immediately as you stepped in there, there's the altar of sacrifice. And beyond the altar of sacrifice is the labor where they could be washed, the priest could be washed. And then they would enter into that tent, that two part tent proper. And the first section is the holy place. And the menorah is there, and the table of showbread there, and the altar of incense is there. And then beyond that, only the high priest can go in there, and that's once a year, and that's the Holy of Holies. And that's where the ark is. And that's where God says He will dwell. Total darkness. His presence among His people. But for anybody to enter in there, there's only one way in. And there are certain rituals and cleansings that you have to go through. The high priest can go through. And one day a year, he can enter in to the most holy place. What do you think the Jews thought about that? When they first saw that. Let me read to you just two passages. 
Leviticus the 19th chapter and verse 2. So God speaking to Moses, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel, say to them, you shall be holy for I the Lord your God am holy. What do you think it was like the very first time they ever heard that? What? He's holy and we're to be holy. Leviticus, Leviticus 7 and 8. Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am the Lord your God and you shall keep my statutes perform them I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Now he's telling them, this is how you're going to be holy. Can we see that? My statutes. Perform them, keep them. What Satan tell Adam and Eve? No, it wasn't him. <laughs> so God says, you want, I want you to be holy. I'm holy. I want you to be holy. So base concept ideal behind the word holy it just means separate, apart. God says, I'm holy. There is no one else in this universe like Him. No other gods, no other beings. I am holy. Separate, set apart, different, unique. But being made in my image, I want you to be holy. How does that happen? I give you these statutes. You perform them. You keep them. You should be holy. The other nations will look upon you and see you and say, that is a wise and understanding people. Wow, they're different from us. <laughs> yeah, that's what God calls holy. Unique, different, set apart. Holy. Now then, the book of Leviticus. Have you read it? A lot of people might say no. <laughs> I would say you should, but if you haven't, I understand why. <laughs> it can be excruciating. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. <laughs> it's like watching paint dry. <laughs> it is not very exciting. But all these details are given about what is clean and what is unclean. And I want to tell you this. You can be unclean and it doesn't necessarily mean you're sinful. Sometimes it may include that. But it's not always that way. For instance, if you happen to touch a dead body, a relative dies, the right thing for you to do is to bury them. But if you touch them, you're unclean. You've got to go report that. You've got to offer the proper sacrifices and so forth before you can be declared clean once again. A woman can have a child. You're unclean. And so there's certain rituals you have to go offer sacrifice and then you're clean again. Tell 
touching dead bodies, touching unclean animals, giving birth to children, all kinds of things. I mean, the details there are almost mind-boggling. And so by the time they read through that, the average person, Jew, should come to the conclusion, I don't, I don't think I can live clean. This is impossible. Every day, I'm going to be doing stuff just in the course of life that's going to end up causing me to be unclean. Yeah. So that means you've got to go to the priest and you've got to do what's necessary so that you might be declared clean again. And it's like, this is never ending. <laughs> That's the idea. That's the idea. That's Leviticus. Yeah. God wanted him to see that. To be holy, to be really like me, this is what you would have to do. So I'm going to give you this so that you come to understand it. This is what it takes. And you can't just march in to my space because I am holy. And if you want to enter my space, you've got to be holy. You've got to be clean. So he wanted them to understand that. So let me give you a little illustration. We have various medical people in this congregation. I think we're all familiar with hospitals. So as a matter of illustration, I would just say this. Within those hospitals, there's a space that is holy, unique, set apart, one of a kind. You know what I'm talking about? It's an operating room. Eh? You can't just waltz in there. That's a special place. And if you're going to go in there, there's certain requirements before you can ever enter in. You might be unclean. <laughs> and you've got to be clean. So let me give you that answer. So I have a sense of humor, right? <laughs> so let's say someone works in there, but let's say this person kind of has a tendency to always kind of be bumping up against the clock, so to speak. You know what I mean? Running just a little bit late. I need to get to the operating room today. It's where I'm working. So they get out of the car and they don't follow the sidewalk to the front door. I'll just cut across the grass. But little bedounce to them, just about five minutes earlier before you got here, there was somebody out there walking their dog. <laughs> and you go running across there, right where the dog was. And you get into the operating room and somebody goes, 
You got something on your shoe? <laughs> you can't come in here like that out. <laughs> That's unclean. <laughs> or here comes the doctor or the nurse or the tech and they're walking like, <laughs> and they're coughing and they're sneezing and they're like you ain't coming in here. This place is holy. You got to be holy in order for you to come in here. You're sent out. That's exactly the same thing that went on in the camp with Israel. You unclean? You're sent out of the camp. You're sent out of the community. And if you had leprosy, you had to declare, unclean, don't touch anybody and don't anybody touch them. You follow? The Jews understood that. You see why Matthew 8 might have been kind of mind-blowing for the Jews? That Jesus was doing real good. Until he touched that guy. Now I'm not quite sure what to do with that. So Isaiah. Isaiah the 6th chapter. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. In the year of King Uzziah. In the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. The seraphim flew. They're in the temple. Isaiah says, I saw him. He was high and lifted up. And his robe filled the whole thing. And they cried out in Hebrew, Kadosh! 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 He is holy. And what does Isaiah do? He freaks out. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell among people who are unclean. And I have seen him. What's Isaiah thinking? I'm done. I'm going to die right here. He's thinking I should not be here. 
Isaiah is a prophet. He's not a priest. And suddenly he realizes in this vision where he is. He's in the presence of the Holy One. I'll be destroyed. I'll be undone. It's over. But then something really strange happens. One of the seraphim go and they take a live coal from the altar. And they head right towards him. And I was over by Alicia's house the other night. He was barbecuing. And I'm sitting there, and if he had taken those tongs and picked up one of those coals and headed towards me, <laughs> whoa! <laughs> and Isaiah says he comes and he touches my lips, and then he says, You're clean, you're purged of your sin, and it's taken away. Jewish mindset. What do you think they're thinking? I'm unclean. I shouldn't be here. If I come in here, I contaminate this place. You follow? That's what Leviticus is telling you. You're not worthy to be here, you are unclean. And if you're going to enter my presence, there are certain things that have to be done. And Leviticus is teaching them on your own, it's impossible. You can't live your whole life clean. And Isaiah sees that. He realizes he's in the temple in the presence of God. This is it, I'm undone. And instead, he's touched with that hot coal and he's cleansed. He's made clean. Leviticus taught them something about God. It taught them something about themselves. It taught them something about being clean and unclean. But Leviticus was not the end of the story. You follow with me God wanted to understand to this point I brought you here you need to understand something about being holy and that I'm holy and you need to understand something about clean and unclean and that's what he was teaching them and on your own you won't make it you won't make it but Isaiah appears in that temple and when he thinks it's over for him he's touched by something holy now let me say just this in regards to holiness God is holy nobody ever becomes God he wants us to be like him but things that are associated with him, they become holy. Things can be holy. 
Places can be holy. Times can be holy. People can be holy. Why? Because of their connection, their association with Him. Do you remember Moses, Exodus 3? And Moses goes to the approaches the burning bush. And what does God tell him? Take the sandals off your feet because the ground that you're standing on is holy. I'm using this space right now. <laughs> so this space is holy. All the utensils and everything that we talked about a little bit last week in Wednesday night's class that's in that temple. Those things are holy because they're used by God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's time that is connected, associated with. And so therefore it becomes holy. And so the seraphim flies and he touches Isaiah and he says, your iniquity is taken away. You've been purged. And then what does he do? He's going to send him on a mission. And he says, who shall I send? And Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. Can you see that? When that which is holy touches that which is unholy, when it touches that which is unclean, then it becomes clean. See, in the mindset of the Jew, we would think, well, he's unclean and he's going to contaminate that which is holy. And in a sense, Leviticus had taught that. But that wasn't the end of the story. What God would eventually show them and what Isaiah is pointing towards is what God's going to do. This is how he's going to make things holy. That which is holy is going to touch that which is unholy. That which is holy is going to touch that which is unclean. And when it does, what happens? It doesn't contaminate God. What he's trying to get us to see is he's the one that's contagious. <laughs> and if you touch him, <laughs> you're liable to catch it. You see that? And he wants to touch us. Because it'll spread. So this leper comes, falls down before Jesus, begging. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus says, I'm willing. Oh, I'm willing. You don't know what all I gave up. How far I came to be here today for you. Oh, I'm, I'm willing. And he touches him. And he doesn't become a leper. <laughs> that man is cleansed. That which is holy just touched that which is unclean. What they call Jesus 
Emmanuel. God with us. You know what Jesus is? He's God's holiness on a mission. See, God first dwelt in that tabernacle. And He dwelt in that tent. And He was separate. And He was apart. And He was showing them, if you were to come to Me, this is what it would take. But guess what? I'm not staying in here. I'm coming out. And I'm going to touch people. That's where God is always. Always wanted to to dwell. With His people. So let me ask you a question. Do you think like Leviticus... Or do you think like Matthew 8? Has there ever been a time when you messed up (laughs) and you thought, I don't want to be around God. (laughs) I don't want to be around God's people. And so you moved away that's Leviticus thinking you know what Matthew 8 thinking is no you come that's Matthew 8 and now you know not only is he able he is willing that's Matthew 8 And Jesus says, I'm willing. (laughs) He touches him. He's cleansed. He said, go show that to the priest. (laughs) It'll be a testimony. As one writer put it, Matthew 8 is the gospel. That's God touching people. So what he's saying is, don't run from him. Run to him. Isaiah's vision becomes a reality in Matthew 8. Holiness is not the way to Jesus, Jesus is the way to holiness. Can you see that? That's Matthew 8. If you are willing, And Jesus says, I'm willing. (laughs) You don't know how willing I am. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. It was Jesus himself who said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Are you willing to do that this very day? Come to him. Confess your faith in him. Confess that you want to repent. You want to be with him (laughs) and walk with him. Buried with Him in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins. 
If we can help you in any way, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.